All right, welcome everybody to the Force Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. It was a very busy and content-filled week in the world of golf. We got President's Cup coming up. Uh, Plenty happened in kind of a tournament where not a lot was going on. Uh, Before we get into all of that, Steve, did you have a uh, good week playing golf, weather bad? What have you been up to? I play a little bit of golf. Weather's kind of, you know, not uh, not great around here. Lots of rain, it seems like, and just, just gearing up for Christmas. Got a big trip planned after Christmas, and um, I'm just trying to. This is, uh, I'm in the restaurant business, so this is one of our busiest times of the year. Just trying to make some money so I can hand it over to my kids on Christmas Day and pretend like some fat, you know, homeless, uh, you know, guy with a white beard gave it to them, so... Looking forward to that morning. Pass, what have you been up to? I can't compete with fat homeless dude with a white beard. It's uh, bad weather here, but I'm not going to complain about that because there's too much to be excited about. I'm, I'm usually not this fired up for the President's Cup, but I don't know. The combination of Bryson, of Patrick, of so much stuff going on over the last few days, and then plus the fact that we just we love – primetime golf so i'm excited for the president's cup so i'm i don't care if it's cold and icy and rainy outside like i've i've got enough to keep me warm that i am more than happy yeah i'm 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 more excited this year than i usually am i don't know if it's because of this podcast um because normally i probably wouldn't be as excited but there's enough storylines going into it you got a healthy tiger you're playing a, a course and i'm very excited about seeing um, looks like it's going to be a cool course. There's enough talent on the international team that it has my interest. I don't think it's going to be like a walkover, just domination. Uh, so I, I'm excited. I'm excited about the times. Everything about the tournament sounds good to us. We've had a good fall. I, one of the, I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily love the schedule change last year in the golf season per se, but it's it's made for a better fall season in my opinion. There's been some good tournaments in the fall. I like the timing of the Asian swing. I like leading up to this President's Cup. We kind of thought it was late, uh, early in the year. We, you know, all in all, I thought I, the fall has been more interesting to me than it has been in the past. Um, I agree. I think that has something to do with it because uh, when it's in October, it's a little too close to the season. I'm still more excited about football. You you kind of are, are done with the grind of golf for months and months and months. And it's something about this gap. I'm just really excited to see team competition and team golf. So uh, I think the break pushing this into December is is helped add to my excitement and anticipation for it. Yeah, because football has been over to me for weeks, months. I'm Steve, I know it's been that way for you. Fats is, uh, you know, Auburn, Auburn's being Auburn. So you're still a little bit into football. But for me, uh, golf and, and college basketball has been all I've been uh, watching here sports-wise recently. So I'm excited about the President's Cup. Anxious to see. We're not going to get too deep into the pods and who's playing with who because by the time you all hear this, it's going to be out unless we got any any guys that get up at midnight to listen to the podcast. Um, so we're not going to spend too much time on that. But before we get into the – um, the cup, I guess we can go ahead and get into the hero thoughts on the hero world challenge. Um, 
we'll get into Pat, I'm sure, but let's let's talk about the golf tournament itself first. Steve, anything stick out to you from the golf tournament? You know, when you have such a, a, a limited field with almost all elite players, um, you know, it seems like everybody has a – you just wonder what would happen if this was a 120-person field or 140-person field. I mean, would, would half these guys even made the cut? But, you know, Tiger coming in fourth is great, right? Um, you know, Henrik was right there. John Rahm went nuts. Uh, you know, before the turn, I think I picked John Rom. I'm not really sure. John Rom's probably the hottest player in the world. If you don't count whatever that guy's name who won three tournaments a while back and nobody will ever remember his name again once the actual season starts. But I mean, I think the heroes a legit tournament uh, in a sense. It's fun to watch. Usually, you know, it's the first kind of crappy weather back in the States. So you're looking there wishing you were sitting on a yacht in the Bahamas. I always enjoy the hero. I think the course is kind of blah, but you know, look, anytime you can put Tiger Woods on TV, I'm I'm down. Agreed. Fast. I, I know you wanted to separate the two, but I don't know how you can separate the two. It, it's just so apt that Patrick Reed is the big story at the hero because he is he's a hero for me. He's a hero for everyone who should be out there listening. He should be a hero for all of us. You're talking to a guy who uh, I was raised on Bobby Heenan and Jesse Ventura, where it was win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Always cheat. Uh, this pod has talked about we've defended Dylan Fratelli. We've defended— Whoa, whoa, Sun- whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Who defended— Vin- Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Sung Kang. Uh, coming up from my perspective, if you—I mean, sure, you, you want a guy who is going to tiptoe along— in those gray areas, uh, if you've got a money, if you've got money on a guy, uh, you're you've got a guy on DraftKings, you've got a bet on a guy. You want a guy who's going to do everything possible to win, and that's what Patrick Reed is going to do. And then sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. Sometimes the guy's going to go a little too far, uh, be assessed a two-stroke penalty, and lose a tournament by two strokes. So sometimes that's what's going to happen. But uh, jokes aside. It actually does kind of help you in a DraftKings per- perspective because people hate Patrick Reed. People don't play Patrick Reed. His ownership is always far, far lower than it probably should be. There's some guys out there, the Tiger, the Phils. Uh, Spieth is kind of not as mu- much as it was a year or two ago who are so popular they're always going to get more ownership than they necessarily warrant. Patrick Reed, Bryson, people don't play them just because of it. It's not fun to root for those guys, so sign me up. Uh, I am looking even more forward uh, when the big tournaments start back next year. I'm going to be all over Patrick Reed in the early part of the season next year when everyone else is too busy hating him. I I feel like we're going to have three very different viewpoints on the Patrick Reed situation based on our three different experiences uh, with the game of golf. Fats, I completely understand from a cheating perspective, from a gambling perspective, you want to be in Patrick Reed's corner, uh, no doubt. So I like that. Steve, what do you think about uh, the Patrick Reed fallout and the, all that all that happened this this past I think, week? I think it's uh, just, for God's sakes, don't give these grandstanding, virtue-signaling, quasi-hipster golf journalists another soapbox to stand on. Uh, I'm so freaking sick of it. Uh, every single one of these guys wants to come out and just lay out their virtues about how great they, you know, the, the look, nobody 
likes a cheater, okay? And I think that the thing that's weird about the game of golf is that you have to separate your weekend match from the guys you watch on TV because you're not playing the same game. You're not playing with the same equipment. You're certainly not playing the same golf courses. You're not playing the same setups. If I saw a guy do what he did um, in a round that I'm playing with, I'm probably not going to play with him very much. I'm probably going to spread you know, gossip in my club that he's a cheater and don't play him for money, whatever. Um, I've seen guys cheat like that. They're usually so bad that it doesn't matter. They could put their ball on a tee in the middle of the fairway and hit a three-wood and, and still suck. The, the guys that suck usually cheat. So anyway, ostracize the guys in your group that cheat. But if we're talking about professional sports, and golf still pretends to be a professional sport, although I could give you 100,000 reasons why it is not. Uh, one of my biggest things I've been banging on is the schedule they're doing for the holidays. I mean, the fact that they won't play over Christmas when they – I mean, just because of the players don't want to play. I mean, they're not a real sport in that sense. Um, the the media coverage, they, they have their own state-run media. It's the most ridiculous thing you'd ever, you've ever seen. I mean, you know, even Pat Reed's getting play on the – go to golfpgatour.com. Nobody's saying anything bad about him. It's just They're just kind of reporting what people are saying. My point is this. When Patrick Peterson grabs the jersey of the wide receiver he's playing this weekend, five yards, seven yards, eight yards down the field, and doesn't get flagged for it, okay, that happens all the time. Then when he gets flagged for it a week later, do you start reviewing the film and talk about how Patrick Peterson is a notorious cheater and that his career should be, you know, it's professional sports. You're trying to win. I don't think you should... What's what I don't understand what the, the the whole I get it. He's a cheater. He's a scumbag. He's got a bad reputation. But he got a two stroke penalty. You know, justice was served, in my opinion. Ban him for a year. Get out of here. You know, I mean, there there's so many more things you can do. Uh, I mean, I just I think it's overblown. I've talked about it enough. You see my position. Am I pay, taking devil's advocate a little bit here? Maybe. But it's just because of all these nerds who got stuffed in lockers their whole life, still aren't even good at golf, just want to talk about how virtuous the golfer should be. Mm. Well, um, I'm not going to let... <laughs> Chew me you... up and spit me out. No, no, Jason. no. I know you want to do it. No, you know my thoughts on... on I'm not going to let golf hipsters jade my opinion on things. I'm not going to let them take Bannon from me. I'm not going to let them turn me into defending Patrick Reed because I'm with you. When every time I see one of those tweets, I want to dig deep and find a way to defend Patrick Reed because I can almost play devil's advocate to any situation, but I cannot play devil's advocate to Patrick Reed and I'm not going to let them take uh, that from me and, and, and change my opinion on the situation. I know two cheaters. I've been playing golf since I was a preteen and one of those guys, I, I hadn't seen him in 10 years. Saw him two years ago in a hometown tournament. And the first thing I thought about when I saw him is that he was a cheater. And, and that incident happened, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. It never leaves you. There's been talk about Patrick Reed being a cheater when he was at Georgia and then went to Augusta State or wherever he went. It was supposedly because of cheating. Everybody kind of tiptoed around of it. And and you start to see some evidence further on in his career. I can't defend him. I have no possible way that I can possibly root for him again. You bring up football, not even close to being comparable. There are referees in football that are paid 
to do nothing but watch every play and find people that are breaking the rules, call them out, and enforce a penalty. Basketball, baseball, it's all the same. Golf is, is the only time there's officials is if you got a question on a ruling. It's all about yourself enforcing rules on yourself. There's a code of ethics in golf, unlike any other sport, and as weird and as virtue signaling as that sounds, it is the only professional sport that doesn't have referees assigned to make sure you're not breaking the rules every time you hit a shot, make a play, do whatever. And what, what he did in that bunker was just blatant, just egregious, just cheating, offensive cheating. And especially in golf, if, if, you, if you go out there and you play, I saw people make this argument, they play with hot drivers. Okay, well, Fats could play with the hottest driver in the world, and it's not going to make one bit of difference in his golf game. Nope. Um, you can, any other, you could take a questionable angle when you hit it into a lateral hazard, like Tiger has done several times. Well, he's already being enforced a penalty on his shot. I mean, it's not affecting things big time. Steve, you play enough golf to know the one thing that can affect a round of golf more than anything is the ability to improve your life. Nothing in golf matters to me or to people that play as much as having good lies when they're in a bad position. That make or break that can make or break a round. It can cost you at least a stroke, maybe two strokes around, if you are able to improve your worst lie every round. You could save at least one stroke around. And all Patrick Reed was doing was trying to improve his lie. He's doing it on TV with cameras around him. So, I mean, how many times does he do it? Every tournament when we're not watching them. Well, just to that point, I just for what just to shoot it. Go ahead. I, I do. I, I will say that. I will say that it does. He didn't really give himself that great of a lie, right? And that was one of his arguments. He just slightly improved it, which to me does. If I'm a prosecuting attorney or something, and I'm trying to prosecute this case, it leads me to believe this is a habit. Of course, it's like it's like the guy you play with that marks his ball behind or in you know and then in front and moves it a quarter of an inch closer. It's not going to help him make that eight foot putt, really, but it's a habit, and he cheats by habit. So I, you know, I, I I'm with you there. I think the guy's just not an honest, great person. But who thought he was a great person before this happened? Yeah, I mean, I obviously didn't think he was a good person. The the cheating stuff. Nobody has accused somebody of being a cheater that hasn't actually cheated before. And that those there's been smoke around that whole deal with Patrick Reed for a long, long time. Now you got I mean, he's like Gary Player did the same stuff. Um, he's not definitely not the first Bernhard Langer anchors putters. Uh, he's not the only person to bend the rules, break the rules, do this kind of stuff. But uh, people people that have a pattern of doing it and something as as just egregious as improving your lie, um, I, I I assume that he does it every round. I assume that if he's in the deep rough and people aren't paying attention to him, he's grounding his club behind the ball and his ball moves and messes around with it, does that kind of stuff. If he's willing to do it in a waste bunker on TV when everybody in the world's watching him, when there's 20 people in a tournament and there's going to be a camera on every one of his shots – I mean, newsflash, he didn't just start doing it that time. It's not the first time he's done it. His excuse was just as offensive to me as the action that it was just like a camera angle. And if you'd have looked at it from a different angle, you'd have seen that I wasn't trying to improve my life. Just the whole thing about it, it, it stinks. Uh, I cannot root for him. I cannot root for somebody that, that does that. I will now assume that he cheats at least one stroke worth every round he plays. That's four strokes a tournament. 
run the math on how much money that is over a year. Um, and if you think I'm the only person that thinks that you're wrong, I guarantee you everybody that's not on the president's cup this week would think the exact same thing that I think about Patrick Reed and what he's doing, uh, on the golf course and it's i can't defend it well, i'm not gonna let the uh, hipsters I, ruin it for me i'm gonna i'm gonna rip them for well, it because it's bs uh, i don't know if you've seen this quote today he finally was you know was asked about it again today he said the ball was in the waste area i didn't feel like it was intentional or anything if i would have saw the sand move and I, I knew immediately if it did it was a penalty i didn't see it move and because of the way they were able to show me afterward i agreed because it did move and it was a penalty so he's just denying Line. it straight up yeah, he's just well denying it straight up. Yeah, I mean, you prove you know, it's hard to prove somebody's lying. You know, a famous uh, a, a president uh, said the definition of is is, and you know didn't didn't get in trouble for it. I will say this, uh, not to get too political on this, but this is to me just like politicians who do things that are wrong, and the average citizen is like, why aren't they called out? Why won't you know? Why won't you you know call this person out for lying? There's a reason why, and even the the guys on the President's Cup tour, one guy, Cam Smith, said something about it. Everybody else was just pretty laissez-faire about it, whatever. They were cutting up. They're cracking jokes in the locker room to him about it. Okay, if they truly found it to be an affront to their profession and possibly taking money out of their pockets, as you propose, I just don't think, I just think it's, does that mean they're all cheating too? They've known he's I a mean, cheater forever. Oh, or, I was about or to maybe ask something it's more prevalent than than we know. Yeah, I was about to say something similar because uh, I heard multiple players comment on it, and you don't know how many of them are just trying to that they don't want it to be a story. But uh, very few of them seem to be that upset by it. So as Steve was saying, I wonder how prevalent it is, or if there are more people out there who they don't want the attention on them on hole 13 on a Thursday afternoon when no one is watching because they could be doing the same thing. I I don't think that's what it is, but I can't say for certain that that's not a part of it. And then the second part, just to throw back to the camp Smith thing, I love the camp Smith comments. I hope so badly that they get matched up a couple of times uh, this weekend, just adding to the excitement because from my perspective, I'm not a golf purist the way probably the way some of our listeners are, the way a lot of golf fans are. For me, sports are still in large part entertainment. And I understand the thought process that for someone who is competing, like it is, it's a competitive advantage. It's a a financial advantage. It's all of the things that you said are absolutely correct. But I can also very selfishly say, it's not impacting me, so I can very easily dismiss it just because as long as I am being entertained by it, then I am getting what I am coming to the sport for. I don't know that that's the best way to look at it, but it's just another way that uh, that I think about it because it wasn't a huge deal to me. Um, if I was a fan of someone or had money on someone uh, that ended up losing a tournament because he did something like that, then I may have a little bit of different opinion, but it, at the end of the day, it's entertainment and Patrick Reed, love him or hate him is an entertaining figure to have around. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, do one thing just to, to take this. I mean, and, and I'm sorry to, to go ahead. Jace. No, I think it's kind of important also for people who play golf 
in casual rounds, again, we talk about the difference between the pro game and, and our game. Um, when I've played in golf tournaments, the few times I have in my, at my club, I've hit the ball off roots. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've taken crazy lies that never would happen in, in the, on the tour because they would have ground marked under repair, but I didn't breathe on the ball. And if it moved a revol, if it moved, if it oscillated, I was calling somebody over to take a look at it. Uh, because I did not, I didn't give a shit what I put, what I scored. It was more important for me not to be labeled as a cheater, you know? And so flat now, so that's me in a tournament round, whatever that, you know, I don't play every single day in a tournament round. When you play every day, just so we're all clear on this and everybody out there doesn't start calling your playing partners on your Saturday round, you know, as long as every, on your casual rounds, as long as everybody agrees to the same set of rules, that's a different story than what we're talking about here. You know what? We roll it everywhere I play. We roll it in the fairway. You know, you, you got a root rule. You got a leaf rule in the winter. So just, you know, your casual guy out there, don't get all motivated by these loser nerds that went to Cornell and are now writing 5,000-word 5, essays about, you know, sand movement in the bunker and get all motivated to start calling penalties on people. Chase, would you agree with that? A casual round, we of play them, you know— and if I'm playing with you for the first time, I say, hey, uh, I'm on a sprinkler head. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to take a real drop. I'm just going to bump it over here. It's not, this is not every round of golf you play. Obviously, on the professional tour, they're expected to play to the letter of the law. And that's what the issue is. 100% agree. Cheat all you want to in regular rounds of golf, whatever makes you play faster. But in a real legitimate tournament, improving your life to me, is the most egregious rule breaking aside from just writing a wrong score down, which you're incapable of doing at the pro level and signing off on it, improving your lie. It's just not comparable. There's nothing in any sport you can compare it to. Um, there is no comparison to other sport. There's no referee. There's no thing. There's nothing you could do in another sport to improve, to, to improve your lie, to make it that much easier to do something. I've been trying to think what of if what, you, what if you deflate footballs, Yeah. Filming, filming the other team's signs for a whole year. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm a I'm pro PED. I'm pro like drivers that are too bouncy. I'm fine with all that kind of stuff. There's something about somebody that is improving their lie and trying to be sneaky about it, and then lying about it that I just cannot get over. And I, I I've been trying to think of just why it is that it, it's that way, but. Just just as a golfer, I mean, Steve, you would know. I mean, that's that's it. How many strokes could you save a year if every time you had a terrible eye, you did something to fix it, and it was like a legitimate round? Well, I mean, you know, fairways don't matter. Hell, rough. To, I mean, you could hit it in the – you could easily get yours. I have got – we've all got hit, in a, hit the worst drive of our lives and ended up with a perfect lie with a perfect angle into the fairway because we got lucky. Right. So if you're able in the woods and I, I play, we all play with people who, you know, Oh, I'm on a route. And then all of a sudden their balls on a bed of pine straw, like a bird's nest, you know, it happens, but yeah, changing your law. I get it. That's it. Look, it's definitely uh, a bad look for him. And, uh, it's just, um, with his frank, history, especially with his history, but it's again, I just, he is who we thought he was. You know, right. Webb Web would never do that. And, and to Fats's point, I've heard Rory talk about it. <clears throat> I've heard a guy, uh, Smith rip him about it. And then I've only heard U.S. people. You know, 
so I, I would love, I cannot, I pray next year when they do that like anonymous PGA Tour poll that we broke down, I, I, it's not going to be a story this time next year, but I wish there was a question about cheating on tour or Patrick Reed's cheating on tour or yada, yada, yada. So we can hear these guys. No, but who, who on the president's cup for the U S is going to make a big deal of this story. They've been tiptoeing around. Justin Thomas tried to make some joke about it today in a bunker. That was the cringiest thing I've seen. Tiger. Tiger has been known to do some questionable things over the years, but it, even still nobody from the U S team is going to call out Patrick Reed this week. Um, Rory didn't, which was surprising to me because Rory might not have even seen it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Rory's, Rory's doing. Better. Rory's on vacation somewhere. He, he doesn't, doesn't even, care. Uh, but I'm anxious to see hey, what the pros think. Brandel ripped him. Elkington ripped him. A bunch of the old pros ripped him. Guys that don't care what Patrick Reed thinks about them or is not playing a tournament with them, a team golf event with them this week. I mean, it, the, don't 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 forget the timing. This happens four days off of the time they go as a team to play and represent their country. These U.S. guys are like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want any part of this story. I don't want to talk about it. Um, yeah, I'd love I, to hear I what just, they really think. I know it's a touchy subject, and you know you don't want to trash your guys on your team, but I just feel like Tiger's surrounded by enough smart people. I am not surrounded by smart people, and I'm not all that smart myself, and I have to give statements to the media on occasion, and I think them through for a while, and I come up with something that's, you know, all Tiger would have had to have thought about this, right? All Tiger Woods had to say was, um, if he improved his lie on purpose, there's no excuse for that, and that kind of thing has no place in the game. Golf is a sport where we uh, players uh, police themselves. He says he didn't do it on purpose. You have to take a guy at his word. But anybody who cheats is not welcome. You know, you could just say, look, don't cheat. I don't know if he was cheating. He says he wasn't. He says it was an accident. But something to where it's kind of like saying, like, you know, hey, you know, hey, look, anybody who kills their wife uh, is not a good person. I'm not saying OJ killed his wife, you know, but if you killed your wife, you're not a good person. I mean, to say something like that could have put some of these. People, but you know what? Nothing he said was going to be good enough. So maybe that's why he decided not to even play. You know, I, play that game with him. I think I wouldn't even be mad if Patrick was like, "Yeah, I had a terrible lie. <laughs> it is a waste bunker, and I tried to make it better." I, that would have been better to me. Equal parts the just horrendous cheating and the just ridiculous excuse that's changed twice since then. Anyways, I'm done talking about Patrick Reed. I can't root for Patrick Reed. I hope he loses every match this week. I hope the USA still wins. If we'll move on from Patrick Reed. We'll get to another um, content provider, and we can go. We can talk a little Bryson. I don't know where we want to start on Bryson. You got any ideas, Fats, on where to start with um, Bryson since the last time we talked about him bulking up last week? I sent y'all some videos. Should we talk about the math problem? Should we talk about him driving another range? Uh, what, what should we talk about, the, Bryson? The first? first place I want to start is you know how much enjoyment I get every week when you pick the photo that you put with the pod when you upload uh -huh. the podcast. Yeah. The one that you posted last week of Bryson in the gym, the first thing I noticed was it, he was definitely bigger, but if you look at that photo, it his arms are not filling up the sleeves of that shirt. Now his chest and his gut are. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm like, where is he adding all of this mass? I'm not 100% sure if it's working exactly the way he wants it to be. Because, I mean, he had the chest and a little bit of the gut going. Legs. But there was still there was still some loose some loose fabric on those sleeves. So maybe he's just still bulking. And right now, all he's worried about is just adding as much as possible. And then he's going to mold that over the next few months. But when I first saw that photo, I had to add a little bit. Uh, a little more reservation about just where that 22 pounds of quote muscle that he had put on, like just exactly where all of it went. And, and full disclosure, this was like a, um, I believe early October picture. So okay. this was early in bulking season. Bulking okay. season is just now getting kicked off. But yes, he uh, would, I, will, I will keep a closer eye on him this week to, to see if, um, if he's going full Brooks mode in his polos now. Steve, I see you got your hand over your. I know you're not a Bryson guy, but the the content just, king just, of the PGA Tour. What do what do you think about Bryson this week? This sycophantic media on the PGA Tour is just it just enables him. It's just the most ridiculous bullshit I've ever seen. The fact you know I have to hear that Tiger Woods is an NFL safety. Now I got to hear Brooks Koepka is an NFL linebacker. Now I got to hear Bryson DeChambeau is the Incredible Hulk. Okay, yeah, dude. He's 6'1", 220, okay? That's pretty big. Congratulations. Yeah. He's also, what is he, 23, 24 years old? Thereabouts, I mean, yeah. 24, 25, whatever. Yeah, if I would have been drinking 40 natural lights a day, I could have put on a bunch of muscle too back then. I, I just, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't, I understand why he wants to get big. He decided, hey, I'm going to get big. Let's do it. But to come out and like basically say, this is, like a rehash, you know all those articles about The Rock. Yeah. Holy shit, man! The guy eats like forty-eight eggs and fifteen pounds of peanut butter. It's like divide everything The Rock said by like twelve, and that's what DeChambeau says he does. He's like, you know what I did? Decided I was gonna work out and eat a bunch of protein. It's like, holy cow, man! Who, what did you learn that in the physics program at SMU? Because that's amazing. But I really want to touch on something else Bryson's done to improve his performance this week. We can get back to the distance as he hit, I don't know, 312-yard drivers over the net in the President's Cup. Oh, yeah. How, that, how, he cannot how be short, contained by the driving range this week. How short is their range? I guess I assume if Rory was there, they would just like have to like make him hit irons only on the driving range. It's just insane. I don't think you guys know about this yet. Maybe you haven't read it, but um, – Jet lag's a big deal for the U.S. players. Have you heard that this week? <laughs> no, but I can imagine it'd be horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big deal. You fly from Florida, the Bahamas, all the way to Australia. I'm not. I didn't go to SMU, but I assume that means you like go back in time 48 hours. But regardless, it messes people up pretty bad. And they asked all the players, and all the players were like, "Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It'll be a couple of days before we acclimate ourselves." Not for Bryson. Um, Bryson has it figured out. Um, let me tell you his quote on how he figured out jet lag. <clears throat> this is he was on the plane on the way to Melbourne. I looked at the clock for the current time in Melbourne, and I tried to figure out how long I had to stay up until it was like 8.30 or 9 there. And I did that. Then I went to bed. So when I woke up on the plane, it was 8 a.m. And I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll have a couple hours to do whatever I want to. We landed, and it was just like a normal day. And then I was able to go to sleep at 10 o'clock last night and woke up at 6.30. I just figured out a way to acclimate myself in the best way possible. So 
to cure your jet lag, just pretend you're where you're going. And it's all going to work itself out fine. <laughs> they should put that in the in LaGuardia, you know, in LAX. And all these people who have struggled with this for years and years and years, just set your clock. Change your watch time, bro. It'll all work itself out. Yeah, what, what did he say the first step was? He looked at a clock. He looked at, <laughs> I guess on the plane, they had a clock. You know, current time and then time in Melbourne. Okay, yeah, like you see, like in in, in fancy yeah. offices, well, they'll have like your time and then in Hong Kong and the time it is in, where it or in, or in, in important places around the world. That I guess that is what most of us have been doing wrong this entire time is we didn't we didn't start from the standpoint of looking at the clock. The first thing you have to do is figure out what time it is, where you're going to be. And then if you, if you are smart enough to figure out how that compares to what time it is where you currently are, then you can start getting your body adjusted. So I'm, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this and take some notes for my next trip. And I'm not going to have to worry about jet lag anymore. I'll tell you, my wife and I have a big problem when we fly to California. She can never make it through dinner because we have a 7.30 reservation. It's actually 10.30 on the East Coast, and by 11.30, 12 o'clock, when we're finishing dessert, she's falling asleep. From now on, when we get on a plane in Charlotte, 9 a.m. Eastern time, I'll just be like, hey, baby, listen, it's really noon. And then it'll all be fine. She can just get – she can just – instead of eating a Chick-fil-A sandwich or Chick-fil-A breakfast sandwich – she can have some, you know, I don't know, club sandwich or something. I just, I don't understand. He's, he really, he sees things that we just no, mere mortals don't see. That would be six, not noon. But yes, you're, you're on the, uh, the right premise there. <laughs> whatever. whatever. <laughs> I'm not that smart. I didn't go to SMU. <laughs> but uh, by the end of this, by the end of this next year, we're going to be the biggest Bryson stands. Uh, of any podcast because he's going to constantly deliver this year. He's going to weigh 245. He's going to be hitting it 345. And he's going to be doing uh, Bryson-type stuff all year. And you're, and you're going to find, especially in our realm of golf, where we have to find something to talk about every week, that Bryson is going to be something that you talk about every week. That, that video circulator, we were trying to figure out how many drives it calculate to go to whatever. I don't know. <laughs> it's on my Twitter account. And they had to do a math problem in their head. And Bryson ran through the math problem. And, and I was just, I saw him on it immediately, just started cracking up because I knew he was going to take it really seriously. And uh, anyways, he got about 20,000 off. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. Right. Yeah, I, was, I was right in there. <laughs> I was right in there. It is peak, goes, peak goes, Bryson. Yeah, it's, it was 120,000. Uh, I think that's right, 120,000. She's like, no, no, it's uh, 146,000. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, right, right there. All right. So, so I, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, I gotta keep. I gotta keep this this going because I can't. We can't stay on on. There's so much to hit with Bryson. Um, Talk about him driving out of the range. He with what kind of driver? A 4.5 degree driver. Okay, mm. I don't think that's real. I thought always thought that's only be. trick. It's not trick. real. It's a seven. And a half degree driver turned down three degrees. Could he be lying? If he, he is, is lying about this, is it worse than Patrick Reed? <laughs> I mean, think about the thought process here. So he's got a seven and a half degree driver, which no one plays. And then he turns it down four and a half degrees, basically opening the club face. You know, what, what would that be? 
several degrees. So he's it's not close. So he's he's played a four, he's playing a long drive style driver with an open face, and he expects us to believe that as he's bombing it with his make believe launch angles out of the range. Um, oh, anyways, I don't believe that anything is, he says, but it's it's incredible. It, is is this just his Southern Hemisphere driver? That is, I'm wondering if he has figured out some spin way spin drift goes the other yes, direction. That the, uh, <laughs> the clubs in Australia have to be tailored a certain way to maximize um, other things that the players have not considered. There's probably something to I, that. I, I got to give you some specifics here, okay? It's a 4.8 degree head. So here's a quote from Bryson. Yeah, um, I was producing too much spin. I had a six and a half degree, and it was producing 3,000 RPMs. I'm like, okay, that's not really going any farther. I mean, my ball speed is up, but it still spins over 3,000. Maybe I'm getting six or seven yards out of it. So once we got the driver in and got it approved last week, I used it. Mm. It's a 2,000 RPM spin. Perfect. And I immediately gained a little bit of ball speed. I gained 15 yards in carry. Yeah. yeah I, two thousand Just for those. That's numbers, right. That sounds right. Math wise. Two, 2,000 RPMs is, is ideal mm-hmm. off a driver. 3,000 is probably a little spinny for most guys. Can you even hit a six and a half degree <laughs> driver with 3,000 RPM? I, I mean, is that even, I mean, I don't, no. I want to put a robot out there and see if it's pot. I just don't believe that's like a possible. putter. No. We don't, you don't have to believe him. There's enough of what he says that's legitimate that you have to, you know, everybody knows somebody like Bryson where they're just the biggest BS storytellers you've ever met. But every now and then they hit you with something that you know for a fact is true. And so it makes you just, you know, and they tell enough truth to kind of keep you honest with, you know, let's say it's 20% BS or, or 20% truth, 80% BS. And that's that's the stage that Bryson's at now. He just tells these tall tales. Nobody can trust him, but every now and then he'll hit you with something that's actually, like, correct. So you have to think, well, does he really know what he's talking about? But you know deep down it's just pure BS. And that that, that is where Bryson is right now. But uh, I'm, I'm more of a Bryson fan now than ever. I can't wait to watch him this week. I mean, it's just silly. Uh, Bryson carries at 312 with this new driver. Rory carries at 320. Cam carries it longer. Wolf carries it longer. But they just want to talk about it. Uh, Bryson's the biggest golfer in the history of the world. He's an incredible Hulk. Ernie Els is still bigger than he is today. Yeah, Ernie Els is fat now, right? He's 50. Ernie Els in his prime. Hell, VJ's bigger than DeChambeau is. And they've got old man strength. I, I would take... I mean, maybe we should get back to our roots here and figure who could Bryson DeChambeau take in a fight, you know, because I, I don't think he could take DJ, and he's probably got 30 pounds on DJ. No, he can't take DJ. Well, we, we've, de- we've determined DJ does not feel pain. I, I think it's like you said last week. He is, he's not worried about DJ. He's not worried about Ernie Els. He's not worried about BJ. He's worried about Brooks. Like, this is so he can at some point next year – Challenge Brooks to arm wrestle on the 18th green um, just to settle anything. And when Brooks says no, I want to hear Bryson's quotes after that because this is what all of this is building towards. 
Bryson, yeah, and you know Bryson's like the guy that's like, do you train? And you're thinking like he does like kickboxing or whatever. And he names some just obscure like like weird kung fu type something you've never heard of and he's like that's like the best fighting style and i've been training in that for like several years so you, you never know what what uh bryson's into what are you looking at steve you got a look on your face uh, oh no I, I mean you just you took the the, the work the, the words right out of my mouth like I mean, he's he, like a wing chun uh professor or something <laughs> everybody no, else no. he came he came out uh and he was like they were like yeah uh I think I think you, you were at your company Christmas party tonight, I believe, yeah. and I think you missed. And when you miss twenty four hours of Bryson quotes, <laughs> you you might as well just reset what you think you know. Okay, okay. so he comes out and he says, "They're like, uh, yeah." So tell me about your workout, how it affected your golf game, and and, and I'm I'm just gonna quote, just just kind of go around here. He he basically says, "I got really strong last year, but when I would get through the ball, my hands would just break down. I couldn't hold on to the ball, and I'd hit some wacky shots." And what I realized is my hands just weren't strong enough. They weren't as strong as the rest of my body. So we've really focused on that, and we're improving my grip. So I do a lot of four-finger pull-ups and farmer's walks with 150-pound dumbbells. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's carrying 300 pounds around. Do you expect me to believe that? <laughs> Dude, he's just to improve his grip. I mean, it's. I just. I, I just. I, I got a feeling he's surrounded by some sycophants, you know. And it's kind of like when like North Korea's leader is like, "Yeah, you should five hole in Wednesday." They're like, yeah, Bryson, these are 150-pound dumbbells. They're like hollow styrofoam <laughs> dumbbells, you know? But the four-finger pull-ups. Now, I have seen that. I've seen a, old, a Navy SEAL. I can't remember the guy's name. Black guy. He's a motivational speaker. Awesome. Tiger Woods. David, David Goggins is his name. I don't know if you know him. Great podcast or great book if you read yeah. it. It's amazing. I've seen him do four-finger pull-ups. And just think about Which that, four right? fingers? Not your thumb, asshole. What do you want? <laughs> your pinky, your thumb, and your middle finger. Uh, so four finger pull-ups. Hey, think about it. How does it feel like rough. that'd be that hard? Would that be hard? Well, we're on Skype right now. Why don't you pull it to a go? Well, think you don't have your. Yes, it is very hard. Well, it's not harder so, than carrying three hundred pounds of farmer's carrier around. <laughs> When you weigh 200 pounds, I it's mean, get also, out of here. It, it's also when you hit your 16.5 degree driver and it's just too spinny, you know? I mean, what are you going to do? Um, but anyway, I think we've gone down the path of Bryson being completely full of shit uh, pretty far. And again, I just feel like he's one of those Justin Bieber type young, rich, rich, famous people who's surrounded by yes men. You know, he probably... He's like, gets his chef to make him breakfast in the morning. And he's like, oh, what are we having this morning? He's like, that's uh, 700 eggs in that omelet. And he's like, oh, I'm going to get huge. And he eats a regular omelet. And they're like, this dumbass, you know, I just I feel like he believes anything that anybody tells him. And he's very happy to repeat it to the media. And they're so stupid or just 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 want to suck up so bad that they'll just repeat whatever he says and be like, Bryson's getting huge. He eats 700 eggs every morning. So anyway, well, I, how much more can we pound Bryson into the dirt? I, if I Google long enough, I'll find more stuff he's lying about. I, uh, I think we're going to have another podcast this week. We've talked about it and I guarantee you we're going to touch on Bryson just as much in that podcast. Cause he's going to be, 
of all the golfers this week who I'm looking forward to seeing the most. So we'll go. We'll, We'll keep on the President's Cup, I guess. Fats, are you going to bet this week? Do you have any kind of gambling strategy? Personally, as a, I'm not a gambler, but I hate that there's no shot link. I guess anymore they just quit doing it all the fall. So I have no clue who's hitting it good, who's doing what, whatever. So I don't know how you're betting. Um, I don't know if if you are betting, if you got any uh, gambling strategy for this week or anything you'd like to share um, gambling-wise on the President's Cup. Yeah, I mean, there's no great um no real money to be made in my opinion as far as just the straight up win loss odds maybe a little bit on the i will look at the uh, international player to score the most points u.s player to score the most points but i won't finalize any of that until i see the pairings actually come out and they'll they'll be out later tonight and what I'll be looking at, there are a couple guys that I like um, right now. So I think Louie is playing maybe as good as anyone on either team right now. And Louie has had success in the President's Cup. But So I think he is at plus 550 to be the top point scorer for the international team. The favorite, and uh, if y'all want to jump in on any of this and just opinions or not. So for the international team, they're top point score the lowest odds is Hideki at plus 450 don't like Hideki Adam Scott at plus 500 not really into that and then Louis at plus 550 is the first one I would look at the reason I say Hideki and Adam Scott they are probably going to go out against the best American teams so I I'm not really sure that I want to bet on Adam Scott or Hideki if they're going out against JT and whoever in the first match. Now, now if they're not, this is where it kind of gets into you You kind of have to see who gets matched up with each other in the, on day one. And then you see who is paired with each other on day one because I believe Louie and Abraham Answer have been playing together in a couple of their pods. So Louie is plus 550 as the top point getter. Abraham Answer is plus 1800. If they're paired together, then for a for a guy to lead his team in points, he's probably going to go play on day 1 and win his match on day 1. If you win on day 1, you're definitely going out in day 2 and you've got a chance to build some momentum that way. So if Louie and Abraham Answer play tomorrow and win and then they go out on day 2 and win, uh Abraham Answer all of a sudden is right there with Louie as having the best chance to lead the team in points. And then it just comes down to whoever they end up getting paired up with on Sunday. So it's little things like that. I could go, you could go through that with every single guy on the roster and try to figure out who's going to play together. Uh, I think there are a few guys you can just eliminate. Like Tiger's not going to play probably three sessions. DJ is not going to play every session. Uh, DJ is the third highest odds or third lowest odds to lead the American team in points, I think you're throwing your money away on that. He's not going to play enough matches. JT at plus 450, Xander at plus 600, then DJ at plus 650. Like, DJ, I, I would just throw that away. So it, it, uh, you would want to be looking at a guy who's going to play on, on the first session with a good matchup that you think they're probably going to win, and then maybe even tell the guy with the worst odds or the lowest odds in 
that particular pairing, which is just too much to get into without knowing who's actually going to be playing each other. Okay. Steve, you got any thoughts? We can dig deep on each player and matchups and all that crap if we want, but all that anybody really cares about is who's going to win. <clears throat> Team USA is a huge favorite, huge favorite. Um, and I'm not just doing this to be, you know, devil's advocate or whatever, but I, I think the international team is going to win. I legit think they are. I think that um, if you look at that team, first of all, and I think Jay should agree with this, golf might be one of the only sports when you take the top 100 guys it's a toss-up on any given day. And, any, I mean, the 100th guy can be the number one guy any given day, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, these guys on the international team are not shitty players. They're top 50 in the world. They're all really young. Now, some people might – everybody wants to lean on this, you know, experience advantage. I just don't know how much that matters. Nobody has experience playing in the President's Cup. Tiger is the only guy on this team that has a ton of experience playing in the President's Cup or these kind of events. I just feel like the experience, it goes out the window after two or three holes and you're just playing golf. You've got young guys that have been over, that they're not, you know, I made fun of jet lag earlier. That's still a big deal. You're playing in a different area. Here's another thing that people don't think about. It's Southern Hemisphere. So you've got guys that have been in the, it's winter. Even if you're in Florida, it's still winter there. The other guys are all, for the most part, south of, you know, playing in the Southern Hemisphere. I just, I don't think, I think that makes more of a difference than people think. And Royal, Royal Melbourne is not set up for American golfers. No. And yeah, yeah. I know Ricky Fowler and I know Tony Finau and I know Kuchar can hit every shot there is, but they don't have to. They don't have to hit those shots week to week. They hit bomb drivers, high wedges, and it works. Will not work at this place. You're going to have to keep the ball on the ground. I watched a little bit of practice rounds today, and I mean, you had guys hitting the ball. It, it really, it looks like a kind of a a, a a Lynx course in you know Scotland or something on steroids. I mean, you got he had guys playing the ball 40 feet past holes, try, just trying to get it close uh, to to come back. I just don't think the guys. Are, yeah, they're all professional golfers. They can all hit those golf shots, but the guys on the international team are more capable of hitting those golf shots. Do it not, maybe not more capable, but do it more often. I think they win. I got this weird feeling. They might jump on them, like beat them, beat them by a decent amount. These greens are hard as a rock. They're going to be rolling around 13, at least on the stint. And multiple people have said, like, if you've got a 170 shot in, you better be carrying it 150. Don't, don't try to get your number fly it to the hole and think you're going to hold it there, which is what so many, we talk all the time, these U.S. guys on these courses, you just bomb your driver as far as you can. Even if you're in the rough, hit your 60 degree or hit your whatever out of it and get your number and just fly it to that number. You can't do that here. Uh, I've even heard people go so far as to say you would be better off to be in the rough on the right side of the fairway than to be in the fairway on the wrong side on these holes because you're not going to be able to get the ball close. If you are past the hole on these holes, you're dead. You have to be underneath the hole to have a chance at making any of these putts. Now the greens are going to roll really pure. And if you give yourself some good looks and you hit a good putt, you're going to be fine. You can score on these holes, but you can get yourself in trouble very, very easily. You can get yourself in trouble off the tee. You can get yourself in trouble even from the fairway and you can definitely get yourself in trouble around these greens. And uh, I agree with everything Steve said. Uh, you, 
um, the American players are not used to playing this type of golf. And it's not that they can't do it, and I'm sure that some of them will adjust very well, but there are going to be some some really good players are going to struggle adjusting to trying to play at this course. And just one thing to throw in there before Jace gives his breakdown as, you know, our resident sort of expert closest to a professional we got on this podcast golfer. Um, you know, I, I heard a uh, couple say today, he said, the greens are like glass. It's the best putting surface they'll put on until Augusta. And every course we've played on in the past few months has been way slower than this because obviously it's been, they've overseeded in the South, right? I mean, it's the, it's June there. It's December here. Right. So that's got to matter a little bit. And the last thing I'll th- just, some of these guys, CT Pan, Neiman, Sanjay M, Ben Young, Hun An, I, Cameron Smith. These are guys that they just don't seem to play that bomb and gouge game. Like almost every player on our team, on the United States team does. And you you said earlier talking about how young all the players are. But the good part of that is there's also no scar tissue there. But they're not used to getting their brains beat in in all these competitions. Like I'm sure Joaquin Neiman and Sanjay Yen have, they're 20, 21 years old and they've won their entire lives. Uh, They're not used to, they're not or they're they are used to competing and used to being one of the best guys in the field every single time they play. And I don't necessarily know that they're going to be too intimidated looking across at Matt Kuchar and Ricky Fowler. I think I think the only thing different about this week is the international team plays the majority of their golf on the PGA tour. Um you play the Ryder Cup's a little bit different. You got guys that play half and you got guys that play primarily a Euro style of golf. So the disparity between the two teams is a little bit different in the Ryder Cup than it is when you got guys like Neiman and, and, and Sunjay and those guys that just mainly play the same type of bomb and gouge golf on the PGA tour that we do. So I, we're putting a little too much into their ability to play in a tight course because not a lot of these guys um, play. They, they most of them play on the PGA tour with our guys too. So you're, you're putting some of that into it. However, I, I do think the international team's better ball strikers um, from an accuracy standpoint than the United States. I don't have the stats to back that up, but just look thinking of the names, thinking of how they hit it off the tee, they're going to be in position to play. I, I, you've heard me talk about Elking, Elkington before, one of my favorite golfers, one of the best ball strikers ever. Uh, Bradley Hughes, another Australian guy who's a great ball striker, couldn't putt. Uh, he's Brendan Todd's coach, but – played on tour for a while, whatever. All those guys say Melbourne's as tight as it possibly gets. And they, I've heard them say over the years, there's no course tighter than Melbourne. There's, you know, just a super hard place to play if you're not hitting it straight off the tee. And I, I've been wanting to see a, a, a tournament played here for a long time just, just because of that. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be anxious to see how it, how it pans out in this event. If this was a Ryder Cup at Melbourne, I would go all in on the European team no question. Um, this is just a little bit different because, you know, like I said, most of these guys play on the BGA Tour. So they're playing the same kind of bomb and gouge stuff. I don't know where they play at home. I don't know what their courses look like, you know, during the off season. Uh But they've got some really good ball strikers, and they're not quite as long as we are off the tee. So you would imagine if they're as good as they are, they hit it straighter. Um but I'm with y'all. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a. I don't know if they're going to win, like Steve says. But I definitely don't see the U.S. just walking all over them. 
they got they got plenty of good players, and like Fat says, they they have no scar tissue. Demon is not scared of these guys. Sungjae is not scared of these guys. Sungjae plays more golf than anybody. And you got several. You got major winners on this team. You got Ernie. You got, uh, you know, you, they have a chance to compete. I don't know if they're going to. Um, I don't think the disparity is as big, like I said, with the Ryder Cup. Um, course setup wise but I guess we'll see um and that's what that's why you watch but and like we've talked about it before JT we assume is going to play with Tiger I don't know how JT is going to play with Tiger and that's what I talked about last week that's that's a big that's big for somebody like JT to play with their idol in a tournament that matters when you're playing team golf so you know we got to see how he's going to respond to that uh we got to see how Patrick Reed's going to respond to yeah Australians aren't exactly I'm assuming they're not calm. I'm assuming it's not going to be a uh, Asian tour type crowd in, uh, in Australia. So we'll. I'm anxious to see how it all sets up, how it all plays out, and the, how the course plays. So I'm, if I if I'm I was excited. if I if I'm Ernie Els, I call the Fosters people and I say free Fosters the first three hours of the tournament. Uh, that will certainly even the playing field a little bit. Uh, just one more thing. I haven't really seen this many places, but I don't know. I haven't dug that far deep. Greens are, the course is tight for sure, but the greens, while extremely firm and fast, are relatively flat. Um, Yeah, right, exactly, right. You're going to see a lot of putts made, you know, are the putting, I guess, is streaky. Who knows? The all, I think, I think honestly, putting is one of those things. You take all these guys, all 12 on both teams, all 24, you probably throw them in a pot. I mean, they're hot. all elite. Yeah. <laughs> so who's going to get hot? Who's going to get hot and who's going to make those putts? Um, I, you know, I'm not predicting the uh, internationals to win because I want them to win for sure, but I just, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right to me. It just, this feels like UNLV versus Duke in the NCAA tournament a while back where you got all these big name guys. And if you look at the international team, you know, people, you know, we've done it. Oh, who's on the international team? Oh, Hideki, Adam Scott, Louie, Mark Leishman. Those aren't the guys that are going to wreck shop this week. The guys that are going to wreck shop are down the list. Adam had when you Nolan, Cameron Smith, those guys just, I don't know. I may, I could be wrong that they could lose, you know, every, every match that they play the international team and in, in the U S could, 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 could route them, but I just don't see it. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens regardless five 30 to midnight. I can't imagine a more ideal time for golf for me. No. And, and these, this isn't the, this isn't your, your father's, uh, president's cup team. If you're a, a young child like my son, there's no Mike Weirs or Nickel Hearns or Trevor, Trevor Immelman's or Sabatini's or, Ogilvy's are guys that just kind of flashed for one tournament throughout their career. There's some legitimate players on this um, team. So, and that, and that, whereas maybe the Euro, the European team is going to be steady forever. The international team is going to get better and better every year that they do the president's cut from here on out, just with the influence that, um, you know, you see Asian wise, Asian golf wise, that influence itself is going to prop this team up. Um, whereas 10 years ago, there was maybe one Asian golfer on the international team. And every year from now on, you're going to see more and more, uh, Asian golfers on this international team that are legitimate star, like great golfers, along with your Australians, your South Africans, 
you got Neiman, who who I don't even remember where he's from, but he's guaranteed he's the only guy from where he's from that's played on the President's Cup. Chile, uh, yeah, yes. so Southern Hemisphere. So there you go. Um, anyways, we'll see. I, I think the U.S. is going to win, but I think it's going to be tight this this uh, this this year. A couple of other things that I would just throw out uh, worth considering if you're trying to or thinking about putting money on any of this stuff. I like what Ernie has said that uh, he is he is very analytics driven and he is looking at a lot of different things to figure out who he's going to pair together and all of that and has said that in the past guys have kind of showed up and played with who they wanted to be paired with. And he's had to get everyone on board with, you're not going to play with somebody just because you like them or just because you're friends with them. Like we have the numbers and the data that tells us that this is who we think should play together. This is why we think you should play together. And everyone has bought into that. So that's another reason I'm curious to see how some of these guys get broken up because you might not see the same, uh, uh, whoever you would want to put together. If you assume like a couple, like you assume Adam Scott and Cam Smith are going to play together or Leishman and Cam Smith are going to play together because they're Australian and they've played together in different national tournaments before. Well, that might not be the case. It, it may be, um, it, it could be Sanjay M and Adam Scott, or it, it could be whoever you want to, to put together, but they're going to have a, a plan that they are trying to implement from the very beginning. This course, there are two different courses and they are using holes from both courses to uh, put together the 18 that they're going to play. I think it's 12 from one and six from the other. There's only two par fives on this course. There are three par threes and then 13 par fours. So it's going to play as a par 71, but with only two par fives, which again, takes some of that U.S. firepower advantage away. And then if you look at the entire history of the President's Cup, the U.S. has just destroyed their national team in all the ones that we've hosted and the others that have been contested in North America. But the four or five that have been contested outside of North America uh, have been much closer than you would think looking at the 10-1-1 all-time record. The only loss was here at Royal Melbourne, and it was a Ass whooping. It was like a twenty to ten international team victory in '98. Also, if you look, the U.S. has has killed the international team in North America and has killed them in foursomes. The format this year, since international team hosts, they get to pick the format. They're starting with four balls, and that's been about a 500 record over the entire history of the president's cup. So they've got a chance to come out on day one, five, four balls matches and uh, even get to a stalemate and have some momentum going into the rest of the week. And that's also something I would look at. If you want to bet the U S team, then if you don't like betting them at minus two fifty or minus two forty five, whatever you're looking at, hope the international team comes out to three, two lead or three and a half, one and a half on the four balls tomorrow. And then bet the U.S. to win once you get them a little bit better number, hoping the international team starts out well. It's going to be five four-ball matches on day one, five foursomes matches on day two, four of each on day three, and then the singles matches on day four. So you got to have time to 
kind of cherry pick and jump in on a team. If you if you think the U.S. team is a deadlock to win, then hope their national team gets out to the lead, and then you bet the U.S. set a better number to come back over the weekend. Yeah, solid stuff. We will probably. I, I plan on doing a. We plan on doing a podcast. I have no clue when it's going to be. Uh, we we would like to do one more this week, and we said we'd kind of start doing it um, as like real tournaments kick off. Um, Steve's got. I, I'm, I'm not ending got, it right now, but I, I got one more thing. Yeah, and this might be the best segment we've ever done. Okay, it's a which is a very high bar. Okay. It's not going to be a Survivor Series, but okay. But I've done a little bit of research here, and it's something I haven't heard talked about. Probably because it doesn't have anything to do with people being able to stand on a soapbox and pretend like they don't cheat at golf. Okay? It's 2019. 20 years ago, we witnessed the greatest fall in the history of golf, Tiger Woods. And a lot of people don't realize that Tiger Woods' last win before that scandal was the Australian Masters. That was October 2009. Who cares what date it was? So that was his last official win. He won the Australian Masters, won $285,000. Then he won, you know, he had a million-dollar appearance fee. That was controversial at the time. In a lot of ways, he's returning to basically the scene of his downfall because not only was that his first win or his last win. And then the national Enquirer on November 25th, 2009 published an article that tiger woods was having an affair with Rachel. You should tell you remember that shake, I'm sure. And they took photographs of them at the Australian open. That's what started the whole thing. Okay. Two days later, Elon beat the shit out of him with a nine iron and he crashed his Cadillac. Obviously that started, uh, this is crazy though. Okay. 2009, he won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. That's a pretty good year, right? Yeah. Is that pretty good? 2010, zero wins. 2011, zero wins. Didn't win again until the 2012 Bay Hill. Um, so in a lot of ways, I know it doesn't matter. Australia is a big country and a continent, but it's pretty, pretty weird that 20 years ago, uh, it kind of, this is, this is the scene of the crime. You know, this is where he got caught cheating 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But still, man, I mean, it's uh, to me, it's a, it's one of those things where Tiger's probably looking over his shoulder a little bit thinking like, this is the place that cost me a billion dollars. Uh, in alimony payments or whatever it was. I just thought it was sort of interesting that I never really pieced it together at the time, never really thought about it because everything happened such a blur, but this is where he got caught cheating on his wife. This was his last win for four years, and um, it's not a good omen for the U.S. team. Yet another reason why I'm laying at least $50 on the international team this week. So well, the- And it also is why... He is here this week instead of with a Swedish supermodel with perhaps, I'm trying to be diplomatic here, the the third least attractive wife and girlfriend oh, on the entire do, Are we going to do this? Are we going to slut shame now? 
No, I mean, I, I wasn't going to go there. It, it was just interesting to me when we were looking at the team photos earlier. First, I mean, off the top, if you have not seen this photo, you, you need to go just stop what you're doing right now. Pause this and go so find right, right now the, is what I'm the doing. team photo from the, the, the gala a couple of nights ago and just have your breath taken away by Justine <laughs> in the front row. <laughs> I... I've said it before, and if, you, if you're a longtime listener of the Four Scary Podcast, you know where she got that dress. <laughs> where, where'd she get it, Fats? TJ Maxx. But not just TJ Maxx. It was on like a discount, discount, discount rack that, that she may have taken two different dresses and then had them sewn together. Hmm. I'm trying. I've seen this glory. That's exactly the couple that cheats at golf. Like I can't even. <laughs> uh, anyways, she looks like Tanya Harding a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to trash on her. There are some interesting developments. Freddie Couples, good for you. Webb, no I, surprise. Absolutely. I, I hope his back is holding up. No surprise. Um, Woodland. I mean, didn't she just have kids like not too long ago? Yes. 14. Yeah, great for her. Good Um, for Gary. I'm not the biggest Paulina fan. I mean, y'all could be, but that's not, I get why, I get why many of people would think she's hot, but that's not my type. Um, And even Kuchar. I mean, Kuchar, Kuchar brings it for sure. But but Kuchar, the only problem is since that she's with Matt Kuchar, you know, she has like just, obvious mental issues and not like the fun kind like like some okay but here's what i like about this picture what i noticed let me let me jump in if all these guys made thirty thousand dollars a year the only couple that i could see still together is webb and his wife yes yes they're the only people to me that look like they're a couple regardless of the husband being a famous super wealthy golfer like i can see webb selling insurance Marrying this girl, shacking up in North Carolina, just living a perfect life. None of these other Webb, guys are with Webb these girls. Webb has life figured out to a degree that I will never. I, <laughs> and it's why I have never been more proud that I was, but we talk about golf hipsters. I think I was the Webb hipster. I was you on Webb before anybody else was coming around on him. Everyone was still giving him so much crap with his ugly swing and his terrible follow through and his long putter and just his general Caucasian goofiness. But I, I saw Webb for what he actually is. Webb's a stone cold killer. Don't let that fool you. Um, and him and Dowd are just the definition of happiness. Let me ch- I changed my mind. There's several golfers that I could see actually with these people in real life. Yeah, G- for Gary's sure. Gary's got like the Midwestern high school basketball player thing going. I can see him marrying some like, you know, homecoming queen type girl, which is, looks like what he did. Patrick Reed definitely could marry Justine in any other life. Uh, but D, I mean, if DJ is an electrician, he's not marrying Paulina. Wrong, wrong, <laughs> wrong. DJ has a lot of attributes that I don't want to talk about on this podcast, but I think we all know he's packing heat. And Paulina doesn't have to be the son, the, the daughter of Wayne Gretzky in this scenario. She could be the slut who 
goes home with whoever won at pool in the neighborhood bar. You know, or I, I, mean? I was thinking she still is the daughter of Wayne Gretzky, but this is a make uh-huh. daddy jealous move with DJ. But they would not have lasted this long no, if he was an electric. No, no, that's a fling. That, yeah. Paulina yeah. DJ is the guy Paulina's cheating on her husband with. Uh-huh. This is a this is a scenario that I think you have to for Paulina. You really need to like weigh for every hundred million dollars that her dad is worth. You lower it, she'd have another visible tattoo. Right now, she has no visible tattoos. She's a beautiful, beautiful lady. If her dad, so her dad's probably worth seven hundred million dollars. If her, her if her dad was worth a hundred dollars, she'd have four eagle tattoos, four bird tattoos on her shoulders. Uh, is what I'm thinking. And then, you know, just looking around, Webb looks like he married a kindergarten teacher. Uh, Steve Stricker's Steve Stricker's date is either invisible or she left him. Good for her, either way. Um, and Tiger Woods, obviously, it's. I, I think he forced this girl to have an abortion or something, and he's just kind of Jesus. playing the law. I mean, I just don't. I don't know any other reason why he feels necessary to stay with her. I'm sure she's a sweet girl. Uh, Justine. She looks like a Barbie with Down syndrome. Um, um, Matt Kuchar's wife is a babe. Pauline is a babe. Bryson. Bryson's with Lene Kakua's sister. (laughs) I'm not going to say anything about Zach Johnson's wife. She probably pumped out a bunch of kids for him. Good for them. They probably have a beautiful family. Uh, Freddie Couples' date is beautiful, but Freddie Couples is a beautiful man. Um, That's true. Rick, Cantley Rick, has no date because he's married to the streets. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't Cantley. He's every girl that uh, he's been with a couple girls. Playing hard to get Cantley, but they all want to <laughs> ride him, and they grab his ears, and that's when he smacks them, and then the relationship is over. You know, they're like, he's like, do not grab my ears. Mm-hmm. Um, is that too much? So we, we've danced we've danced around Xander looks the, just like they would be together. See, this these are the two that I am trying to draw a little too much from, and it's JT and it's Xander. Because between those two and John Rom, those are the three guys that are on my that, that I'm watching big to have big, big years next year. With JT, I, I could see them being together. JT, I I'm wondering if they're about to they they look like they're ready to settle down and it makes me think it just it just gives me more confidence that JT has got it all figured out and he is about to have a just maybe an all-time year next year. And Xander I keep waffling back and forth on because I don't know if she I I just hope he's staying hydrated. I, I think he could be a little distracted, and it, I may need to put his ascension off until 2021 until I find out a little bit more about this this minx he has on his arm. Yeah. Uh, I, I Speaking of the A word, I think we, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll dive deep on that later on. She seems to be a, um, that was his girlfriend that was a real big uh, Planned Parenthood. Anyway, uh, I'll tell you one thing. Justin Thomas seems to be going real hard. He's obviously heard about the Bama Bangs, you know, thing, right? That's a thing, right? Absolutely. He's he's like, not for me. I'm going to whip those bangs all the way off my forehead. But now he's entering the speed zone. 
So I got to be honest with you, Bama Bangs, Beef, like Bama Bangs is a better look. What, it, Jace, it, what do you, as a man with a beautiful head of hair, what do you think? That's a rough look by JT. I mean, uh, Speeth was worse than that. I mean, he was like legitimately bald at 20, and now he's got a full head of hair. So I think JT needs to figure out, you know, what that situation is and, uh, and join him. I'm, I'm trying to look through the hair. Freddie Couples. Well, it, speaking of hair, it, Webb, it, it, hair. Phil, can't, if Phil can't be there. At least it was nice that Phil gave his hair to Ricky to borrow for the week so he can be there in spirit. What is, what is Ricky? I mean, what is that hairstyle? It, it's the 1993 I mean, California prom hairstyle. In I what mean, world does Ricky Fowler in real life pull Allison Stoke? If he's not like, if he's just a, a BMX guy or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Man. His I wife know looks some, like I, Justine. If that's the case. I know some guys, I know some guys that race. Girls dig guys that race, man. Uh, they love, he can be like, yeah, you know, I'm looking death in the eye every time I take my bike over this jump. Yeah, kick off that well, kick stand. Say, <laughs> what you're not looking in the eye is me because I'm six inches taller than you. So get dude, out of dude, here. Look at the picture. I highly encourage you to go to look at that picture and I'll, I will pay. I will pay a hundred. Uh, how many pay, steps below him is she standing? At least one. And those look to be about six to 12 inch steps. And he's taller than her in that picture. And she's wearing heels. Do you think she is like, listen, baby, I'll be, I'll stand down here. Or do you think Ricky is not as nice of a guy as he is in public and says, bitch, get your own step. I got a farmer's open. Nobody's writing me a farmer's open check if I look like a midget. (laughs) Xander's got the same thing going on because you know that goddess is at least 5'10". A lot lot to take care of in that picture. I've got nothing else to say on it. Um, Somehow we've still talked for an hour and 20 minutes when we had not much to talk about except for Bryson and Reed. Before we leave, uh, again, we're going to try to do another podcast, but... Fats, you have anything to say um, college sports-wise? I, don't, I have no clue what's going on in your... Um... No, I, I need to check and see if Butler lost because your Raider, Red Raiders took down... We'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it took down... I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm counting down the undefeated teams to see who is left standing. Louisville is done now. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Yeah. Um, there was another who else... What other undefeated team? Baylor beat Butler. They held on. So Butler, that's another undefeated team gone. And there was a third undefeated team. That Baylor beat lost Butler today. or Butler beat better? Baylor beat Butler. Okay. Oh, and um, Penn State beat Maryland. So that's three undefeated teams down. I believe that means there are five left. Auburn's one of the five. There's this um, really nerdy college basketball imperialism map where yeah, every time it. an undefeated team loses, um, it just it gives the the counties to whatever nearest undefeated college basketball team is there. So Auburn's going to be claiming some territory tonight, getting rid of Louisville, getting rid of Baylor. Um, Maryland, I think Liberty is still undefeated, so they'll take some of the the Maryland territory. But we're slowly creeping that way. we got to get San Diego State out of the way, and uh, we can just start claiming a lot of that Western territory out in your neck of the woods. Steve? How's the gout foot? Uh, 
God. Um. Oh God. I have no doubt that we will go eleven and five, possibly twelve and four in SEC play. We'll beat Kentucky at least once, uh, probably Florida at least once, and we'll miss the tournament um, because we will lose to every team we play in the preseason that has a pulse. It's fine. It's the Frank Martin way. It probably has. It's probably gout related. I'm not really sure. But um, I'm more interested in the uh, football program at this point. South Carolina has gone all in to become Georgia. We have Will Muschamp, now Mike Bobo. Um, Let's go. I mean, look, if we can't be good, let's just aim at being mediocre as hell because, you know, that's the best Georgia has ever done in the last 40 years. I will say, and let you just ramble on about Texas Tech, that I just saw a retweet um, from Jace, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Let's get it. Red Raiders. Yeah. I mean, so it's really, is this, is it, are you guys kind of having a moment right now? I mean, when the best football thrower that has ever lived, I mean, big ups your school. I mean, you got to, got to throw it out there. Exposure. We're trying to get, you know, anytime I can get my interactions up to bring people to the podcast. Uh, that's, that's what I'm going to do on Twitter. I, you know, I'm off 40 followers. Um, Tech played good tonight. Uh, they, um, without Ramsey, the best player on the team, uh, they've, they've been on a slide, but the best coach in college basketball or professional basketball for that matter, um, went in and beat Louisville with a bunch of backups in a rock fight. That's, that's kind of, uh, his MO, um, Shannon, our other second best player, freshman, was out with foul trouble early. We put in a bunch of nobodies and just beat down Louisville in a rock fight. Um, I'm hoping we're going to beat Kentucky when they come to Lubbock in a couple couple weeks and just have a Kentucky sweep this year. Um, Tech needed that. It's a young team. They got seven freshmen. They get minutes. So two overtime losses and then a big win on the road against a number one team is the kind of stuff that helps you come tournament time. Um, you know, not going to get too excited. They're still a little too young to win it, but I think they're going to make some noise at the end of this year. But that was a great game. Stomped out Louisville. Louisville's terrible. Um, they, they can't hang with the Raiders. Uh, and, you know, we don't talk about Baylor or the, or the other teams of Big 12. Baylor covers up rape. Baylor covers up murder. I mean, they're probably the worst athletic program in college sports and they're still allowed to compete. So we're not going to talk about them on the podcast, but clean program wise, tech's got to be the number one, uh, in the country. So that's all I got to say about that. Um, shocking allegation. <laughs> I mean, you look it up. It's all chronicled. Um, I got nothing else to say. Fats, you got anything else to say before we leave? No, I can't wait. Uh, Steve, but you oh, should have cut it off already. Uh, <laughs> About to find out the pairings here in about three minutes local time, 12.04 Eastern um, is where we're at right now. So um, I'm looking forward to watching Tiger pair himself up with uh, whatever player he thinks has the most random skanks following him around because you know he's not banging that beast that he brought over to uh, again I, I i think it's i think it's more of a makeup thing he probably signed a contract with her that said oh, you i'll be seen in public with you for five years i mean it seems like they have a good positive relationship and that's probably probably what it is so listen to all you guys out there who knocked up some chick you shouldn't have knocked up and you're still with her because you signed a five-year agreement to appear on tv with her raise a glass to our buddy tiger woods 
And uh, listen, even though I've predicted a international team win this week, I'm cheering for the United States. Um, you know, I, I think that um, the only thing that we all can agree on is we hope Patrick Reed cheats in this tournament and yes. gets caught. Yes, I agree. Um, shoot for or, me. And, and Bryson bench presses maybe, possibly, in the middle, just like to, in, to intimidate the team. He... If Tiger Bryson brings, flexes after a birdie putt. Tiger brings a bench out to the practice green, and and Bryson reps out like 225 four times and then gets up and tells everybody it's a world record. If KJ Choi won't be impressed. If Bryson flexes after a birdie, at any point I will sell all my clubs and buy Puma. I'll, I'll deck my bag out full Puma and just uh, go berserk. Um, let's shoot for maybe Thursday night after a couple rounds, get it out Friday morning. That'd be probably a good time to do a, uh, a podcast. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. We'll, um, if we'll... Webb and Xander get paired together, I'm just recording an eight hour podcast by myself. I'll send it to you when I'm done. Okay. I, I don't need to hear eight hours of you masturbating. <laughs> That's it. We'll see.